to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gents, Judge Jerry! Thank you! Thank you! So we're... Just talking off camera here or off microphone. Um, These are microphones. Camera, <laughs> if you include Facebook Live. Yeah, well, Facebook um, Live, wave right. to Facebook Live. Hello. That if, if this bit about putting my face on Mount Rushmore isn't catching on as much as you allege. Oh, it's catching on. It's huge. <laughs> Why not? Let's find, let's find another hill in, in America. Like in Ludlow, Kentucky. Yeah, Woo! where you just... Just get a um, a mold of my face, which yes. is pretty moldy to begin with, yes. and just and just slap it on the side of a hill. Just some cement. Does he have to make just a cor- <laughs> <laughs> attraction? It's the way you describe it. So Look, when they put T. R. Roosevelt, he, pardon me, T. R. Uh, Lincoln, Washington, and Jefferson, Jefferson on the face on the on the mountain, yes, in Mount Rushmore. They didn't just slap it up there. I mean, they chiseled it in. There were artisans who hung down from <laughs> rappelling ropes, and they worked and worked for years. They're doing the same thing with uh, Crazy Horse on the backside of the yes, mountain. Because yes, I've because I've been there, too, and it's actually wonderful. actually belongs to them. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah. And you look at this like, oh, let's just get some hill in Ludlow and slap my face up there. No, I don't think that reveres you in the way that we intend. Well, we'll just put... <laughs> we'll just put some I other... I don't want to know what you intend. <laughs> we'll put some other celebs up there. We'll put Beyonce. See, that? that's interesting. So you say with Beyonce, who else were you thinking? Hmm, maybe uh, uh, Cardi B. Cardi B. So you have Jerry Springer. Yeah, Beyonce, Carl. and uh, maybe Who doesn't belong in this. Some uh, Lil, Lil Justin Wayne, Justin Timberlake. Maybe Lil, oh, JT, JT's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this it, it, it's out of control. It's almost like I'm sorry this woman, I forget her name, from Laramie, Wyoming, God, started this. Now because I spend wild. most of my time now as executive producer managing this Rock Jerry's Face movement because it's pushing all across the country. Uh, social media shares. Everybody's a uh, oh, rock Jerry's face. You know, you go down the street and you hear people chanting, "Rock Jerry's face, rock Jerry's face." Yeah. And I spend the whole day ducking rocks thrown at me. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, I find something less violent. Okay. So we got we got uh, Easy Tom and the Black Mountain Throwdown coming yep. on later. We like them. We had the, they were on. They were on last week when we said, hey, guys, come on back, and they were able to do it, and they are. And, Jerry, we're going to ask you in a minute to talk about uh, democratic socialism as uh, a movement happening within the ranks of the Democratic Party. I'm not saying everybody buys into that approach, but there are plenty of people and a lot of elected U.S. House members who uh, are pushing that agenda. That's going to be an interesting thing to ask you to analyze. Uh, The drummer... A Black Mountain Throwdown, his name's Patrick, lives in a house next door to your home, your first bought home and on the western side of Cincinnati. Western Hills Avenue? Western Hills Avenue in Cincinnati, oh, really? Ohio, back when you were a city council member. Yeah. And, lives and, right next door to Wow. Even just and a- says the place is just in horrible condition. Yeah. <laughs> horrible. The blight of the neighborhood. That's no. what you get for $8,000 a year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's what it was when I started. 
Uh, Seriously, wow. the first when I was first elected to city council, the pay was eight thousand dollars a year. What year was that? Whoa, nineteen seventy-one. Wow. And then a couple of years later, it went up. So by the time I left being mayor, it was something like thirty-two thousand. But it was eight thousand yeah. at the time. Yeah. 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 Back then, I remember we we were friends. We were all hanging out together. You and I and I our could spouses. I could be friends with you then because I was poor well, too. Well, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was a young now it's teacher. Kind of embarrassing. <laughs> That, that is exactly the point. I was a young teacher at Cincinnati Public School, a young city council member. I was making about the same salary as a young educator in the Cincinnati Public Schools. And then fast forward to today, <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah. I think the answer is talent. Anyway, no. hey, uh, <laughs> you no. know, s speaking of talent. Yeah, well. The Queen City Balladeers, yes. oh, wow. longest-lasting folk music organization in the United States, started in Cincinnati in like 1965, I'm guessing. I was yep. part, I was one of the first members. Yes. Uh, yep. Michael Sylvester uh, started it with a couple of other uh, people at the University of Cincinnati. I was at Xavier University, also in Cincinnati. His brother played at our wedding. Eric Sylvester. Wedding. Yeah, he played, he, right. He also, only 50 people at the wedding, but he was strumming the guitar. Oh, I, yeah. And he, by the way, played backup guitars for Mary Travers from Peter, Paul, and Mary yeah. when she went out uh, on a solo yep. tour. So uh, Eric Sylvester is, uh, yeah, he was quite talented. And this is this is a little side story, too, yeah. but it, it's, it shows you how out of touch I am. He had. We met Eric because McGovern was running for president the year before. We got married in 73, and McGovern was running in 72. And about five days before the election, there was a big rally at the University of Cincinnati. I was in, there. Yeah, inside well, the arena there. In the basketball There arena. were 10,000 people packed into that arena. Yep. There were literally, some of the students were sitting on the backboard. Yep. It looked like, oh, my gosh, how could McGovern lose? That's how out of touch we were. Yep. But literally, the only people in America who voted for him were in that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know that. And Eric Sylvester played this song. I got up there to say a few words. And then Eric Sylvester played this song from John Denver, I Wish I Knew How to Be Free, which is a great, it's a great song and a great political song. I love that song. Fast forward a year later. Mickey and I getting married, it, it was literally a shoestring budget for the wedding. There were 50 people there, and they, all our relatives. And then uh, we, got, we asked Eric, would he be the musical entertainment? So he played the guitar as Mickey walked down the aisle, but then beforehand to play some songs. And he says, give me some songs you want me to play. And everyone always says, you know, play the wedding song that uh, Paul Stuckey uh, does. No, Paul Stuckey did, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and I, not thinking, loved that song, I Wish I Knew How to Be Free. <laughs> I swear to God, this is not a joke. I was, I was Mickey stupid. was outraged. <laughs> she says, how stupid are you? So Mickey's walking down the aisle to, I wish I knew how. <laughs> That's, true that's a great story, That's dude. a true story. <laughs> that's a good oh. one. That's oh. hilarious. So when you just started mentioning the Zorchex, yeah. Poor Mickey. But go ahead. I, <laughs> oh, that's, that's actually very funny. Well, the Queen City Balladeers, uh, their people and, and my people have been in talks about uh, resurrecting Jerry Springer as a folk singer 
to come perform <laughs> to come to the Queen City Balladeers Leo Coffee House, which is oh, a wonderful. That? Yeah. That's the thing that's never stopped running for all yeah. these years. So it's a listening room, and uh, you know it's organized. So you come in, you do a half hour set. Yeah, we, we're going to so do that one night. Yeah, we like they would like you one night to come in on a Sunday night, and you. And I, both of whom had folk groups when we were yep. in our college years. Yep. Maria Corelli, who actually is talented and is <laughs> well, a singer-songwriter. No, 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 no. <laughs> we need her. <laughs> Casey sorry. Campbell, our music coordinator, yes. also talented. As long as he shaves. Singer-songwriter. <laughs> so we want to get Casey and Maria. They'll yep. be the stooges in the group. Yeah. You know, the people who kind of keep this thing afloat. <laughs> and we would do uh, five songs. Yeah. So awesome. you would do one of your songs. Casey would mention this a couple of weeks ago on a podcast. Yeah. So let's do this. Okay. Yeah, that would be great fun. Let's so do down. it. Yeah. And so what we have to do is actually then. How much are tickets? Tickets are. Uh, <laughs> They're going to have to be free. Free. <laughs> and you got to hey, pray that it's really when, cold outside so people just come in for warmth. <laughs> <laughs> when we came in here tonight <clears throat> and. I, you know, I, I drive, pick up Jerry at the hotel. We come over here. We're getting set up. I go out into the other room of the coffee shop, and you're back here with Easy Tom and uh, and his yeah. group, and you're jamming on uh, Banks of the Ohio just because you like to do that yeah. because you are an old folk singer. So <laughs> if we get this <laughs> thing old. organized, I tell you what, we need that place will be packed. Oh, man, it'll be, I think you get a bigger <laughs> crowd than you do about putting my face on Rushmore. Uh, I'll tell you what, if we do that show, there's another opportunity for us. Hey, look, before we move on to this next thing, people listening, go to rockjerrysface.com. Sign the petition. There's a petition there. There are so many names on that. I, I just, How many I names? I just, no, I... Flat out. I got, um, you've had it up there for, what, two weeks? I got work to do. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and read all those names. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask, uh, a real happy thought. When we die, when we all die, and we're all going to live many, many lifetimes here, I was talking to my son, because my mother-in-law died. My mother-in-law was 94 and she died. So that gets everybody think family comes into town, you know, blah, blah, blah. Have the funeral, have a gathering at a relative's home. And you start, oh, that makes you think, well, how am I going to do my thing? And, you know, I'm thinking of, like, have my body donated to science, <laughs> and then, uh, why would they be interested? I hear you. <laughs> but here's the thing. I asked my son, because I'm an avid backpacker, so take my ashes, I'll do cremation, and go out on the Highline Trail in Montana and just spread those ashes out as you go. That's what I want to have done. That's where I want to be. Sounds nice. It sounds, well, you, you know. Maybe we have to come out there? No, no, no. That's, that <laughs> happens, like, later. He just goes backpacking and just... But you know, once again, that's going to cost me money. <laughs> oh, yeah, you might, you might become an Uncle Jerry. Now I got to buy a plane yeah. ticket. <laughs> what, what, what do you believe in? Are you just going to, you going in the ground? What do you I'm, believe I'm in? going in the ground. You're going, you got well, a place got, already? We've got the plot. You got it. We just don't have the ending. So you have it. You've done all that. So we haven't done that. Oh, yeah. We, we, we got the plot, we, and we're putting in a bench so Katie can sit and... Actually, cool. know, yeah. We're in the Chicago area? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In 
Do you know that, uh, hey, now you're not thinking about this, I know, but would you be inclined to have your ashes spread somewhere, Maria, or do you well, want to go on the ground? You know what kind of sounds appealing is some people are uh, requesting to be made into trees. So How's your ashes, you yeah. go, go in a little pod, like a biodegradable pod, Yep. and then you get planted with, um, you know, like a seed as well. So like the roots grow around your pod and you the nutrients from your... Ashes. Ashes go up into the tree and help I the love tree that. grow. So I've never heard of you that. You literally no. become a tree. I love that. Yeah. My, my luck is I'd be struck by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I yeah. were a tree, God would say no. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 we're not, not doing that. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, it's, uh, that's actually very cool. See, I learned something. Because my cousin sat me down and said, hey, you know, you can donate your body to, in this case, University of Cincinnati. They will then, uh, they will cremate it. And there is even a, a cemetery, a beautiful one in Cincinnati. And, they, and there is a common grave for the people who have donated their bodies for research. That's pretty cool. So those are two kind of ca- common grave. They pour you all into the same grave. They will, uh, yes, or yes, or they what will. If you don't like the people you're met. Uh, there you go. Or I mean, I they know will. Who my neighbors are. I know. Or they will bring you your ashes and they will deliver them. And who the hell knows where they say, "Hey, take some ashes out to the Galvin household." <laughs> oh. Where are the? I don't know. I've There's always, a big pile. <laughs> There's take some ashes. Out there. I've always believed that. Yeah. There's someone back there going, you know. Yeah. Out of I went when my when my father. <laughs> true well, story. There's Springer. <laughs> when my father died, and I don't mean to do a downer. My dad died. My mom went to the funeral home. They they are in the ground. Yes. And my mother went in with my brother Jerry, to for the last moment to see before they brought the casket up to the viewing area for the visitation, right. as it's called. And they go in, and there are a whole line of caskets all with the tops open because they were busy that week. And they go down the line, and my mother gasped. And my brother said, what's wrong? And she said, they've got him in a brown suit. I brought them a blue suit. (laughs) This is outrageous. That's, that's that's, That's not his suit. And my brother said, Mom, Mom, it's okay. Because she was very upset. It's the day of the funeral. Yes, yes, it's fine. Let's go upstairs. I'll, I'll handle this. And he went to the funeral director and he said, uh, this has to be resolved. My mother's very upset. Why are you laughing? <laughs> so, so my brother goes upstairs. And as he's going upstairs, because the funeral director says, Mr. Galvin, this will be handled. We are so sorry. He's going up the steps, and he hears down below, Hey, Bobby, switch the heads on four and seven. (laughs) No. As they say, anywho. (laughs) Hey, uh, let me ask you something, Jerry. (laughs) No, just don't. Just, just don't. don't. Hey, you know what's funny? I'm not going to follow that. <laughs> you know what's funny? Yeah, yeah. Well, I put this bit on the rundown. It's called the rundown. 
That's called the rundown. Is that what you're I saying? I put this thing on here about is funerals. That, is that what this about is? About funerals. But I didn't think of that as a good setup for that joke until about two minutes ago. I thought, wait a minute. That joke will fit right in there. Uh, that was perfect. I am that so perfect. creative. It's amazing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm <clears throat> executive producer. Hey. Let me ask you a question, Jerry. Yeah. A lot of new uh, members elected just recently to the U.S. House of Representatives, and some of them are uh, Democratic Socialists, like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And it's all part of the Bernie Sanders movement. I think some of these right. people who are elected in very liberal areas of either California or the nor Northeast, uh, is that movement going to catch on within the Democratic Party, and should it catch on? What do you think? Well, with part of the party, it will. Uh, the leader, actually this time, as much as Bernie, even perhaps more so, is that young congresswoman from the Bronx in New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She and a congressman, Markey, from Massachusetts, have submitted the Green New Deal, which is a broad outline of, uh, of the consequence of the New Deal in Roosevelt's time. In other words, it's a massive piece of what they think should be legislation uh, where within the next, it's a 10-year plan, within the next 10 years, America would move towards 100% renewable energy, um, have uh, universal health care, Medicare for all, free college education, a whole bunch of things which clearly would move America more along the continuum of socialism. Now, let me first say, every nation in the world is part socialist. Every single country in the world is part socialist. Uh, because every country in the world has something that the government does that individuals can't do on their own, that not everything is free enterprise. So every country is somewhere on that continuum. And so when Trump, at his State of the Union message, say, you Democrats, you know, aiming at the new candidates that, for president that the, uh, in the Democratic Party that are coming forth now, uh, like, uh, you know, Kamala Harris and uh, Kirsten uh, Gillenbrand, and uh, they're all coming from, from the left, and uh, Elizabeth Warren. And so Trump says, in probably the most memorable line of his State of the Union address, which was written for him, but nevertheless was a powerful political message, was... We are not going to let America go back to socialism. Now, knowing that that is ever since the 1920s and the, you know, the Red Scare and the McCarthy era, when people hear socialism, they're thinking communism and they're thinking, oh, that's the end of freedom, et cetera, and we're going to wind up like Venezuela or, or whatever. And uh, the Trump people are very smart. And I'm saying that, and I'm pretty far liberal, 
not all the way on the left, but pretty far liberal. But I just want to say a word of caution, particularly that the presidential candidates don't immediately sign on to this Green New Deal. It's okay if congressmen do, if congresswomen do, because it is the job of Congress to write legislation and be debated in hearings, and you know some form of something will be ultimately agreed upon, and over the years that'll become pieces of legislation, just like the New Deal. The New Deal wasn't one piece of legislation, it was many over a five or six year period, which finally gave us everything we have now, Social Security, Medicare, um, you know, um, Medicaid, et cetera, some of that came in the 50s in the 60s with the civil rights movement. But that whole New Deal was a bunch of individual pieces of legislation. So it's okay that Congress does that. What I'd like to suggest today, even as a liberal Democrat, is let's not take our eye off the ball. Whatever causes we as liberals like on the environment, on health insurance, on education, on affordable housing, any one of these issues where we all will nod, yes, we want that, none of it will take place with Trump in the White House. If Trump gets another four years, that stuff won't see the light of day for at least another four years and probably another decade till it gets going. So that has to be the priority. Every poll shows that America clearly has moved to the left. Every poll. On every one of these issues, more than 50% of America is for it. Health insurance for all, college education, all that stuff. Clearly America is there. But If we're going to beat Trump, we have to make sure that the only issue on the ballot in 2020 is Trump. Because if there is suddenly something else which gets defined, and remember, the Republicans will define it, they'll say, this is socialism. There will be enough Americans who don't like Trump, but I'm not talking about his 40% base they would support him no matter what he was or what he does. But for the moderates, the independents, if you suddenly throw something else on the ballot, which is, do you want socialism? Because you can see the commercials now. Do you want where everyone has to give up their private insurance and everyone has to be in Medicare? You won't get to choose your doctors. The whole bit. They'll throw all that scarce stuff there. Some of it accurate, some, much of it not. There'll be enough voters that will hold their nose and wind up voting for Trump just because they don't want socialism. Or they'll stay home because they don't want to vote for Trump. But we're going to wind up with the same situation we had years, a couple of years ago when people weren't crazy about Trump but they didn't want Hillary. And this, Hillary they may not have liked, but socialism they're scared of. 
So we have to be careful. I don't mind that individual congressional candidates in their districts come out with the most extreme legislation they want. That is what Congress is for. Obama got criticized by some for leading from behind. That was the uh, phrase used. Remember, he, he's leading from behind. I'm here to tell you that every great president we have, those that are in on Mount Rushmore, every one of them led from behind. When you're president of the United States, you have to lead from behind. Until the American people are ready to move, you can't get them to move. So Lincoln, he didn't start out the Civil War with the Emancipation Proclamation and say we're going to do away with slavery. The war started to save the Union. And he was pushed and pushed by the abolitionists, by the fact that the North was losing and they needed to have a cause so it wasn't until two and a half years into the war that finally he issued the Emancipation Proclamation. And then it was only in those states that rebelled against the Union that their slaves would be free. In other words, Lincoln eventually got the whole country to agree to uh, not permit slavery in the new territories. But he led from behind. He knew he didn't have the support yet. Franklin Roosevelt, for several years he was dealing with Churchill, wanting, personally wanting to get America into the war to stop the Nazis and to help England, coming up with a Lend-Lease Act, all sorts of different things, because America was still isolationist. He knew it wasn't there yet. And finally, with Pearl Harbor, America stood up and said, we're not taking it anymore. Now Roosevelt turned out to be one of these, the greatest presidents in leading us to win the Second World War. John Kennedy, we look at him now, and he and Johnson, the civil rights. It didn't happen. It, it took someone on the outside, Martin Luther King, and the leaders of the African-American community that during the 50s and early 60s were pushing civil rights. And only when we had television and everyone saw Bull Connors and the 6 o'clock news on television, beating up on little black children who wanted to go to school. Finally, America was repulsed by that, and Kennedy went on television one night and said, this isn't America, we need to have a Civil Rights Act. And then, of course, after his assassination, Johnson got it through. You see, every one of them, all the things we are proud of today happened, including gay marriage. There wasn't one person running for president that said, we've got to have gay marriage. None of them did, even the ones we love. It was until the public stood up and said, finally, this is the direction. Now the president could say, now politicians could say, we're going to go and do it. So if a Democrat running for president in 2020 says, we have to, for example, we have to have compulsory Medicare for all, that people have to give up their personal insurance and everyone has to be under this system, not voluntary, you have to be under it. As much sense as you think it makes, until America is there, a president will not be elected. So we are handing this over to Trump 
if we permit socialism to be on the ballot. So I'm just saying to all these candidates that now want to win the primaries, they immediately sign on. They haven't even seen the legislation yet. They don't even know what the particular bills are going to be. They don't know what it's going to cost. They don't know any of the details. They're going to get trapped on that. And the Republicans are already going to make their commercials. Well, Kamala Harris, who I love, I mean, I really think she'd be be a great president. Why is she saying, yes, I'll do it? Yes, you'll have to give up your insurance. This is going to kill us in the end. So I'm just saying, for those running for president, step back. Give your overall view where the country should be headed. But stay away from specific legislation. It's not your job as president. Wait until the public is there and Congress presents bills to you, and then you can decide whether you'll support that particular bill or veto it. Why commit yourself to something that isn't down on paper? We're going to blow this. going to get uh, Black Mountain Throwdown back on up here uh, for this podcast. We had him last time and we loved the song that they brought to the table. Uh, very fitting for this podcast and we'd love to hear another one from them. Um, I do want to go ahead and ask you guys uh, before we start playing here uh, before you guys play another song uh, to formally introduce yourselves. I know that there are Multiple songwriters in this band. We want to give you guys all credit. So, so everybody knows Easy Tom Eby, of course, <laughs> as we say, the the mayor of the West Side. Back here on the drums, the one and only, also from the West Side, neighbor. Easy. Yeah, neighbor. <laughs> and we're talking the West Side of Cincinnati. I just have to verify: was the house actually forty nine fifty nine Western Hills Avenue? Because that's that's always the thing in the neighborhood. I just wanted to make sure it was... There's a plaque in front of it, isn't it? (laughs) That's that's where we should put my face. No, there's a little little hill in front of the house, right? You got to go up on the side of the hill. But you can't mow the lawn right there. You can't mow over my face. Yeah, that was a great neighbor. Anyway, back here on the drums, the guy that we call the uh, the man who puts the O in rock and roll, Patrick O'Brien, back here on the drums, everybody. Over here, my partner for the last five years since our band started in 2013, the fabulous Tim Cottell. And, and I, I am Harold Mike Sizemore, actually, on the internet, so. So. This next, tune, this next tune we did, I wrote it and actually put it on a solo record at one point, but then we decided we're going to record it for our next CD because it was such a good song, and I love the way these guys do it. So I wrote this song. It's like a love letter to the city of Memphis, Tennessee. It's called Think About Memphis.
thinking about Ludlow. <laughs> <laughs> we can put it in the next song. <laughs> that is a great song. Oh, yeah. Thank no you, Jerry. Appreciate that. Was that. super. I think we're all going to have that stuck in our heads for the rest I of the know. night. I know. It's, well, yeah, That's it's my hope. Great. Um, we, uh, I know you guys mentioned it last time, but we also we want to know again where we can hear uh, for the listeners we'll out there. We'll be playing at Wonder Bar at the end of the month. Oh, yes. awesome. Wonder February Bar in Covington. So. Wonder Bar in Covington, Kentucky. Yes, yes. in Covington, yes. Kentucky. And um, we're online, can we? Blackmountainthrowdown.net okay. is where you can cool. find us. So that'll spread you out to all the other places we are online. So Nice. Uh, well, we, would you guys go ahead and uh, take us out on Down by the Riverside? Let Jerry sing along, maybe? Or... <laughs> 